So if you have your Bibles, don't you turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And I'm not going to do a psalm at all, if that's okay. I just kind of am calling an audible. So if you're going, what does it have to do with psalms? Nothing. But they already had that set up, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to make them do a different slide. I just want to talk to you this weekend. And uh, this is one of my favorite times of the year because we're going into fall, which is my favorite season of the year. And, uh, you know, and so uh, I just want to kind of... um, this is kind of one of those good senior pastor talks. So I'm going to preach to the choir a little bit today because you guys are doing all of this stuff. Uh, but uh, but uh, and some of you I'm looking around more than others, and I'm just teasing. But no, you're, you're doing this, you're living this out. But it just kind of brings us back on page and back on point. Uh, as, as you go through... Um, as you go through life, you, you, you just, I want to talk to you about being devoted. I want to talk to you about devotion today, not personal devotions like your Bible reading and prayer. That's probably an expression, but what does it mean to be devoted? And what does that look like? And that's something that seems like that value seems like it erodes more and more all the time. And especially in the world in which we live in. Uh, but we hold to these timeless truths of God's word that ask of us and speak to us about devotion. So when, to back up just a little bit, when, when I think about devotion, devotion is probably the highest pinnacle of personal commitment of anything. But before that, there are things that I love, and before that, there are things that I like. It's kind of how it goes for me. That's kind of the hierarchy. So uh, the things that I like, and you have things you like. I, I, I like ice cream. Uh, I'm an avid Dairy Queen person. I'm one of those people that will sit in line in Menominee Falls for 30 minutes. Literally did last night. Uh, Don't know why they haven't opened the inside up, but that's fine. As long as they've got a drive-through, I'm great. Menominee Falls has the biggest small vanilla cone of any of the Dairy Queens in the area. Can I just tell you that? You can go to Jackson, you can go to Cedarburg, Grafton. I've gone all the way up to, we're 33, just south of Port Washington, just Sheboygan, all that area. I'm telling you. Menominee Falls, Appleton Avenue has the biggest small vanilla cone. And the reason why I do that is because there's 220 calories. And so because I count calories, I'm like, I don't care. That's what the sign says, and this is how big it is. (laughs) Holla. Stick with me, folks. Always trust a fat man when it comes to food. I love Tex-Mex. I mean, and that's been a really, I've been here almost 20 years, and and we're finally getting some Tex-Mex restaurants that are, at least somewhat comparable to where I came from in Oklahoma. And I remember the first time I went to a Tex-Mex Mexican restaurant in Waukesha and I wanted cheese dip and they bring out a plate and it was melted cheese, like two craft singles that were melted on a plate and asked me if that's what I wanted. And at that moment I looked at my wife and said, we're no longer in Kansas anymore. This is not, right? I don't know if I've ever shared this story publicly, but I was so excited because one of the favorite chains that I used to like in Tulsa 20 plus years ago was called On the Border. And so this is before smartphones, this is before any of this. Some of you are going to get there before I get there. (laughs) But I find out there's an On the Border. And I used to have to go to Chicago to go to On the Border, but there's one in Franklin. And I just was like, this is awesome. So I'm standing in line at a paint store in Sherman Williams picking up some stuff from Tammy. And I'm on the phone. This is back when you had to dial member. Uh, you had that 411 to get information before smartphones, right? I have a Nokia. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to get information, the phone number for on the border. I think it's in Franklin. 
Just work with me for a minute, people. And I'm so excited. And the guy in front of me says, are you talking about on the border, South Milwaukee? I said, yeah, 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 yeah. They have Mexican. He goes, yeah, they have everything. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I'm like excited. So I call Tammy and say, hey, there's an on the border in Franklin. We're going to go to Franklin. Some of you don't know why some of these people are laughing, but you're going to know in a minute. I start calling people in the church and going, hey, let's go. We're going to go. And finally, one guy said, you can't go. And I said, oh, yes, I can. And I am. Does Tammy know about this? I said, she's coming with me. Only to find out it's a strip club with an all-you-can-eat buffet. And apparently at that time it had that. So I don't know, never been there. Uh, Tammy was very upset with me when I got home and just said, yep, sorry, you can't do that. I like Tex-Mex. I don't go to strip clubs, just to make that a good point. I like movies. I love college football Saturdays. Like yesterday was awesome for me. I started watching ESPN College Game Day, and I didn't end until yesterday night. And just I, one thing after. There's a lot of things I like. There's a few things I love. So... I love Tammy. I, I love my girls. I always say, you know, Ava and Anna, if mom's okay and you girls are okay, life is, I, I can deal with them just about anything else in life. I love my family. I'm, I, I, I uh, talk to my parents regularly. I, we're, we're big on family, even though uh, they live outside of Memphis and, and it's a distance. I, I love my family dearly. I love my friends. I'm, I'm one of those kind of people. If I'm your friend, I'm your friend. Uh, I, if I'm going to stick with you, I'm going to stick with you. That's how I am. And those are the kinds of people that I love to run with. You know, I've got, I've got friends and buddies that, man, if I'm in trouble, you know, Brad Rosenberg, one of my best friends says, you know, hey, a, a good friend you can call when you're in jail to get you out. A great friend will go, wasn't that great because they're sitting next to you. Um, so the, the deal is, it's just, I, I love my friends and I have deep friendships. But there's only one thing that I'm really devoted to. There's only one thing that I'm really asked to be devoted to. And by devotion, I mean, I am completely sold out. I will do anything, no exception. I will follow it to the death. I hope that never is tested, but at least at this stage, I can say that. And, and that, that devotion is to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to be. And that sounds really almost kind of opposite. But when you read the, the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus said it of himself. He said, but in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things shall be added unto you. If the vertical relationship between you and the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is correct, the horizontal relationships in life of marriage and family, friends, all those other things will come into play. If I'm truly devoted to, to, to the Lord, then I'm living my life according to his word. Why? Because John chapter one, verse one, none of these scriptures are on the screen. This, this is just extra. In the beginning was a word and the word was God and the word was with God and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. So if you really want to get deeply theological and kind of blow your cerebral cortex for a minute, before this book was ever written, before God ever spoke these words to men of old and they, they wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it existed. Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Plural, the plural pronoun of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So this is what I'm devoted to, to Jesus 
to my relationship with the Lord. And when I keep that devotion right before him, then the other things in life, the other relationships in life, if I truly love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, then I will love my wife. I will love my children. I'll love my family. I'll love my friends. I love my church. Why? Because that's what the word says to do. But if I get these things mixed up, if I get these priorities mixed up, I will wind up not being able to live up to what God's expecting out of me. And the truth is, is that we all want to do that. I, I don't ever find somebody that goes, no, I, I really want to get married and just end in divorce. I, I really, I want to have kids and I want them to hate me. You know, I, 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 I want to be a terrible friend. I, I want to be, I, I don't, you know, I, no. Even the rankest of sinners, when you get down to it, at the end of the day, what they really want is someone to come and absolve them of their sin and someone to lift the burden because we were never designed to live with the guilt and the pain and the shame and the weight of sin. That's the reason why God so loved you and I that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that we wouldn't have to live that we could be what God intended us to be, which is his righteousness. I love it how, how the, the Bible says it, that he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. And so the truth of the matter is, is that out of my devotion to Jesus comes my love for my spouse, comes my love for my family, comes my love for the church, comes my calling. I do what I do, not because it's just, oh, this would be a great job or I can't get a job doing anything else. It's because at the end of the day, this all comes out of my devotion for the Father. The same way with you, the Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. So that whether you work in a factory, whether you're a stay-at-home parent, whether you own your own business, whatever sector of society that you're working in, you do that as unto the Lord. Therefore, it's a worship unto God, but that is because you're first and foremost devoted to Him, not to the company that you're building or the people that you're working for. Devotion doesn't just cost me a lot, it costs me everything. We all have to answer that question. What is it that I like? That's pretty easy. What is it that I love? It's a little more difficult, but it's still pretty definable. But what or whom am I devoted to? Because here's what I know. Every one of us in this room, whether we verbally articulate it or not, we're devoted to something. We're giving our lives to something. We are living up to some ideal, to some statement, to some phrase. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a coach, maybe it was a teacher who said something about you and said you would never amount to anything and you're proving them right. Or maybe it was something that someone who put something in you and inspired something. We all are devoted to something or to someone. So what does it mean to live out of devotion to God? Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 47 gives us what it looks like as Christ followers. New Testament, New Testament church, verse 42. If you don't have your Bible, it's gonna be on the screen for you. It says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. And they gave to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is what we see Jesus has died on the cross. Jesus has told his disciples, hey, go to the upper room and wait. And the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. 
And that's exactly what happens in the very first part of this chapter. And then Peter has just preached. 3,000 people of the crowd has sat there and they've given their life to Christ. And they've turned from Judaism and they've given themselves to, to be followers of Jesus. And then the church is birthed. And this is how Luke, who writes the gospel of Luke and also writes this actions of the apostles, actions of the disciples, thus the word acts, the fulfillment of the gospel, describes these Christ followers. First of all, they were devoted to the teaching of God's word. They were devoted to the teaching of God's word, the learning, the spiritual maturity, the growing together. They were committed to God's word. I want to say something, and I'm going to make a couple of statements, and I don't mean to do this for applause, but I really hope you hear my heart. We, and this is not new. Um, if you read the book of Jude, you see deconstructive theology that's already happening 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This is the human condition. We are always looking for something new, something different, something whatever. We need new inputs. We like change. Even those of us that don't like change, we still want different we want that new upgrade, that new boat, that new whatever. It's just, it's how we're hardwired. And what's difficult sometimes about this book is that it doesn't change. What's wonderful about this book is that it doesn't change. Because the author of this book, who is God and this is God, is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He changes not. And we live in a world where this book in our society, let me say it this way. We live in a nation where this is under attack, probably as great as it ever has in the 50 years that I've lived on this planet. And what we see is that these disciples, not this, we're not talking about the, the 12, we're talking about hundreds, now thousands, devoted themselves to this. See, I can get up every week and I can tell you of a new media, new movie, new channel, new something that's happened, new piece of government or legislation that's been passed that's, that's anti against the Bible. And I can spend all of my time running down and chasing and basically sounding like a cable news commentator every week of all the top hits of what's going on in our world and how it's demonic and how it's wrong and how it's whatever. Or I can equip you to digest this and to take this into your heart and into your life so that when these things come up and you see them in your kids, you see them in school, you see them in your workplace, you see them, you immediately go, okay, this is not of God. This, this, this is, there's only two powers in the world, the power of God and the power of Satan. I didn't write it, that's the way it is. And if you believe this book, that you believe that. So then you are able to have what's called discernment, which is part of the gifting of the Holy Spirit, the, the power that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in you, you have discernment. And you go back to, and you hide this word in your heart that you might not sin against God. So as a parent, your kid comes home and they say something, you go, something's not right with that. That's the discernment of the Holy Spirit, going back to being devoted to God's word. You're in the marketplace, and you're going, something doesn't feel right about that. That's a discernment of the Holy Spirit, checking your heart, kind of going, there's a check in your spirit, as my mother would say. This isn't what we, how do you know that? Because you go back to the word, back to the word, back to the word, back to the word, back to the word. And even those times when you're reading the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, that's just like Bueller, Bueller, anyone, anyone. Those days that you're reading the, the soap, the scripture, observation, application, prayer, you're doing your two chapters, and you're like, I am just doing this. I don't feel anything. I don't get anything. You're still digesting the word, digesting the word, digesting the word. And all of a sudden, 
Line upon line, precept upon precept, it becomes built and it develops you and it grows you just like someone who eats correctly every day and someone who exercises every day over time, that's going to produce a body that's going to be strong, that's going to be able to, to protect itself from, from antibodies and, and produce antibodies that will protect itself from sickness and disease and whatever. So is true of your spiritual person. You, dial, you daily digest this. You devote yourself. You lean so heavily on God's word, not upon a pastor, not upon a church, not upon a denomination, but upon God's word that if it were to move, you would fall. And even when everybody else in the world goes, that's crazy. That's not what God's word says. When everybody else says you're narrow-minded, that's not what God's word says. When everybody else tries to get you to water down and pull down and deconstruct because of their own sin. Woo, I just said that. They try to do that. You just go, look, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just saying it's what the book says. And listen, every one of us, there are things in this book that we wish weren't there. Let's just be really honest. For those of you that go, no, not me. You're the worst <laughs> because, because you're in denial. At least the guy or the gal that goes, yep, amen. They know their junk and they're dealing with it. You, it's lurking around. It's going to emerge at some point. Because all this stuff that we're dealing with in our lives, it comes back to it goes against God's word. Why did God give us his word? He gave us his word because it helps us be able to live the life that God intended for us to live. This word, the benefit of this word is not for the sweet by and by, it's for the here and now. So they were committed to God's word. They were committed to the teaching of God's word. What is that? That's weekly gatherings, coming together. So like for us, that'd be weekend services because they're committed to go to the synagogue, the Bible says. So that they, they, they were coming together. This is raising your kids in a youth service, in a kid service. Do you know the reason why we do that? It's because then you train up a child in the way they'll go. When they're old, they'll not depart from it. When they are regularly going to a weekly regular gathering as a kid and then it, and it matures into youth ministry and then to adults, all of a sudden they're taught and they're trained and they're taught and they're trained and they're taught and they're trained and everything about that goes. And we are real careful to make sure that the kids service doesn't feel so much different than the adult service but because I grew up in church where kids service was a blast but adult service was like <sighs> and I don't know how pastors can make the Bible boring. I, I don't get that. I think those guys should not have credentials if you really want to know what I think. And God said, <laughs> not like that he didn't. Anyhow, so, so, but the deal is they committed themselves to the teaching of God's word. I got to move on. They committed, they devoted themselves to the fellowship of Christ's followers. Look in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the fellowship of Christ's followers and to fellowship, doing life together. Not just showing up at church, doing life together. It's being versus doing. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you can ask what you will and it'll be done. There's something that happens when we come together. We need each other. I need you, you need me. We all need each other. We all have limitations, we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses. But when we all began to come together, when we began to, when we serve together, when, when we fellowship together, when we're together, regularly together, and I'm sorry, this is something you can't do virtually. I think that online should be something that's supplemental. Online should be something that someone who maybe they, their, their job takes them away or whatever. But people that just go, I'm just going to be an online community. That's uh, whatever. I'm not beating up on because I know there's people that are watching right now. But I'm just telling you, you can't get this online. 
because it's being able to shake hands and hug necks and pass germs around. Amen. That builds up your antibodies. And right. Anyhow, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm digressing, but, but I'm trying to say is this is about committing ourselves to serving together. We need each other, not just showing up at church. And the thing about a church like Life Church is big enough and there's enough sites that you can pop up wherever you want to go and you don't really have to be known and you don't have to really be, know anyone. You don't have to really kind of connect. You can just kind of, but the Bible says that they devoted themselves. They gave themselves to serving together, to fellowship, to doing life together to going out to lunch or breakfast afterwards, to, to connecting with people, to being around each other, to knowing people and, to, and being connected to people. And there are new people that are coming all the time, all the time to a Life Church campus. And so this is about doing and serving together. And I encourage you, if you don't have a place where you're serving, simply as you leave today, as you walk out of this building to your left or to your right, right in the very center underneath the, 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 uh, the, the screens there, there's someone there that can help say, hey man, here's how to get involved in next steps. When the campus pastor comes up in a couple minutes, there'll be someone that'll be able to help you get involved in next steps. Find a place to serve. Where are you serving? Where are you? Because that helps you get to know other people and other people get to know you. And even if you don't need them, they need you. And let me say this, the more mature you are in your faith in Jesus Christ, the more I need you around. Because I can't do this by myself. I can't do this alone. And I need to be able to link arms with mature Christ followers to help be able to, to minister uh, to, to people. There, there are close to three, 400 people already this year that have given their life to Christ. We've already baptized 125 people this year and we just started doing baptisms post COVID. And, and, and so what, what does that say? That says that there's people that are brand new in their faith that are coming to faith in Jesus Christ every single weekend. How are we going to develop those people? How are we going to mature those people? How are we going to share the faith? How are we going to raise people up and help them? through God's word, by serving together, finding a place to serve, whether it's on the platform, whether it's behind the scenes, wherever it is, whatever you wanna do, finding a place to serve. The Bible says that they were devoted to the breaking of bread. Food is spiritual, amen. Food is a physical symbol of a spiritual reality. How did Jesus tell us to remember his death until he comes? Communion. The cup and the bread. What do we call communion? The Lord's table. The Bible says that when the church is raptured and we, we are, are, are taken together with Jesus, there will be this great, the marriage supper of the lamb. Because the church, the bride of Christ, and the groom, Jesus, will be united. And there'll be this great wedding feast. Food spiritual. In Luke's gospel alone, there's almost two dozen times where Jesus is eating at the table, he is reclining from the table, or he is going to the table. More spiritual transformation happens around table than just about any other place in scripture. Very interesting. And you just thought we did that because that's about the only thing we can do because you can't smoke, chew, or drink, or date girls that do. That's what was kind of the rules growing up. And some of you, we can't do that? I'm just, I don't mean to mess your theology. It's just a... It's... Food becomes very spiritual. And so the deal is they are breaking bread together. They're, they're in each other's homes. This is what's happening outside of church. It's, it's kind of how we do life groups. It's that community building of getting together, breaking bread, talking, conversing. 
I learned this when I was a youth pastor. Tammy and I would have kids in the youth group over at our house on a regular basis. And there would be kids a lot of times that were troubled, something was going on. Maybe they were from a bad home life. Maybe they were just going through a rough patch. And we'd have them, we'd sit down, and we would just have a meal. And after a few minutes, all of a sudden, they would begin to talk, they'd begin to converse, they'd begin to, and, and out of that, they'd begin to just kind of spill their guts and just kind of all of a sudden just, because it's amazing how you sit around a table, everything comes down, and you're able to sit, you're able to talk, you're able to communicate, and then they just start talking. Because they want to share. They just don't, they got to be at a place where they just feel relaxed enough. Studies show that if you go into kind of a, a, a room or an event where you're, where you're meeting people, if you just have a beverage, a cup of coffee, uh, whatever, uh, a soda, whatever, in your hand, and you're walking around, just having that in your hand is a very calming thing. Even though you don't know anyone else in the room, your anxiety level is high, it will bring you down and just calm you to be able to stand around because it gives your hand something to do. Food is very powerful in that way. And so what they're doing is they're coming together and they're eating together and they're joining together and they're being together and they're talking. So what's happening in a weekend gathering, what's happening in their weekend services now is going into their homes and they're inviting people and life is beginning to happen. And I would encourage you, life groups. This is the month that we sign up for life groups every single year. In September, we do it again in January because we have a trimester and we do it again in May. And so you can sign up for a life group and they're gonna be really promoting life groups next weekend. All the campuses will. But if you're not in a life group, get involved in a life group. They're happening all different times of the day, all throughout the week, different intervals, different things. If there's not a group there that you wanna be a part of, then start a group. Just literally, again, go to someone that's right there outside underneath those screens and just say, hey, I'm interested in life groups. The last thing that we see here is praying, verse 42. And to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. The power of partnership. My favorite verse on prayer, Matthew 18, 19, 20, where two or more gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And if they ask anything according to my, my word, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. Period. It's Jesus. We need God as a church more than we ever have before. As a pastor... We need the presence of the Holy Spirit in our services more than we ever have since the beginning of Life Church. Because here's the deal I, I, I can give you a pretty good talk every week, I can come up with something that will make you think and add to your vocabulary and add to your talking that you, you know, gives you a little bit more knowledge and that kind of a deal. I can be like a really good life coach. It'll be motivational and inspirational and whatever, but that doesn't really do anything for you when your world is falling apart. Because you can get that, quite frankly, online or anywhere else. You can sign up and, and you can get that on an audio book. You can do master class. You, 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 can, you can take classes on Zoom and you, you can actually hire your own life coach and they can do that. You can find that. Uh, we, I, I, can, I can make things be really exciting and we can give you one, one really good hour of the week and come here and it's, everything's positive and it's all good. But the truth of the matter is what you need more than anything else is what you cannot get anywhere else. 
And that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of God. The power that we have, the one thing that, that we can't get on our own is where two or more are gathered together, there he is. Now, is Jesus with you? Yes, he's with you wherever you go. David says, if I, if I send to the heavens, God, you are there. If I make my bed in the very pit of hell, you are there. So he's with you because he lives inside of you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ. But there is a power that happens. It becomes exponential when you and I connect together in his name. So the Bible says in the Old Testament, one will put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. There's something powerful that comes together. So when COVID happened, I know that's a word we don't want to go back to, but when COVID happened and we were unable to worship together live and everything went online for those couple of months, do you know the greatest thrill for me the first Sunday we came back together in June was hearing you sing. And, and, and it wasn't that you were angelic. It wasn't that your voices were amazing. It wasn't that your harmonies were just, oh my goodness. Like, this is like boys to men. We should take this to Vegas and do our own show. It wasn't like that. It, 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 was, it was, these are the people of God singing the praises of God because they want to be here because it's been so long since we've been together. And the Bible said God dwells, he inhabits in the praises of his people. So when praise goes up, that's why we always do praise and worship. God begins to dwell in that his presence is in that. And when that happens, then we began to ask God and God began to do miracles, signs, and wonders. That's what happens. That's why they devoted themselves to prayer. Because when I'm praying, I'm saying I'm not enough. When I'm praying, I'm saying I don't have all the answers. When I'm praying, I'm saying I'm in need. When I'm praying, I'm saying, Father God, I need your help. And I'm telling you, these two daughters of mine, they can call me anywhere I'm at in the world. And if they say, Dad, do you have a moment? Yes. Dad, I need you now. I will be there ASAP. Dad, it's the same way that when the Bible says, when we call on the name of the Lord, he hears us. Prayer. Jesus says, my house should be called the house of prayer. This isn't a filler. It's not a transitional moment. It is truly us saying, oh God, we need you. And I'm telling you, you can, <laughs> we, it's, committing, it's committing ourselves to experiencing his presence like never before. How does that happen? That's happening because you're devoting yourself throughout the course of the week and the teaching of God's word. You're devoting yourself to the fellowship of, of other Christ followers. You're devoting to the breaking of bread and you're praying and you're prayed up. And then when you come in and we begin to sing these songs, we don't sing them because it does everything for us. We sing them because of whom we are singing to and of whom we're singing about. And we're lifting high the name of Jesus and God begins to show up. And then what happens? Miracle signs and wonders begin to follow those that believe. You wonder, you wanna know the reason why in the book of Acts they saw these things happen? Because this is what they devoted themselves to. It's not what they did, it's not a box that they checked, it's what they devoted themselves to. And I'm telling you, I've been saying this to the staff, I've been saying this to leadership, more than anything else, we have to be a church where we experience the power of God's presence through prayer. I'm telling you in the next 20 years, you will see a divergent of church in America like you've never seen before. Mark my words, large churches, growing churches are gonna to continue to grow. But you're gonna see this expanse in the middle dry up 
And you're going to see bivocational ministers become something more normative than we've seen in the last 20 years because people are leaving the church at record numbers. And, and there is a rise in, in supernatural spiritual attraction of the dark side of Satan himself that's beginning to attract people and begin to do this. And it's so subtle and it's so easy and it's so there. And I don't really need this and I don't really have to have that. But all of a sudden, there, there, but all of a sudden, there will be churches, though, that are just going to stand on God's word. They're going to preach God's word. They're going to declare God's word. And God's going to begin to show up in their midst in a way like they've never seen before. But he's getting us hungry. He's getting us ready. He's asking, are we truly devoted to him? This is not, listen, let me say this. I get it. I can, I, I, I'm just like you. I, I, I don't have kids at home. I don't have an example I have to set before them. My kids are basically raised. They, they know, you know, I'd say to both of them, do you know what I think about right and wrong? Yes, dad. Do you know how to get a hold of me in case there's a question? Yes, dad. That's it. I mean, I've already, I'm done. Tammy and I have, have taught and trained. Now we're just kind of guidelines and guardrails. But so we're not doing what we do because of that. It's because if we don't stand, folks, if we don't come together, if we... If we forsake the assembling of ourselves, as some are in the habit of doing, the book of Hebrews says, we're going to fall away. But if we will lean, if we, if we will lean and commit ourselves and be devoted to the teaching of God's word, if, if, if we will lean and commit ourselves to serving together in the fellowship of other Christ followers, if we will lean on the breaking of bread and committing ourselves, if we will lean on prayer, we will change our world. This is not about a holy huddle. I don't, please don't misunderstand me. We are to go on the highways and the byways and to compel them to come in. We are to, we are to go around the corner and around the world. There, this is still a great, great, great place to be able to do things. And, and, and we still have a huge harvest field of people. But I'm telling you, in the next, I think, decade to two decades, this is going to be the thing of the church. And I've said to some, hey, you may not need to be here week in and week out. But if you don't show up, I'm not talking about paying your tithe. If you don't show up and commit yourself and get here, then what's going to happen? Your kids, whether they're in their 20s or 30s, they're going to kind of, uh, they may be here Christmas and Easter and a few more times during the year because the average church attender in America now comes once every six weeks. Our numbers show all of this out. Not just us, it's across the board. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that when their kids, your grandkids, are looking for a church because they're in trouble, there won't be a church anymore. Those churches will be, <laughs> they'll be gone. Right now, there are more churches open in America than there are pastors to fill pulpits across the board. We are in a crisis mode when it comes to church. What's the answer? Do we need to build more Bible colleges? No. Do, do, do we need to have more formalization of training? No. What we need to do as men and women of God is to commit ourselves, devote ourselves to the teaching of this book and don't let up, don't let back, don't pull back. And if there ever comes a day that I don't teach this, you get your family, you get your wife, you get your kids and you go to a church that will preach this. I don't think that will ever happen. My grandmother would come back from the grave, amen? But I'm just saying, this has got to be about this book. It can't be about me. It can't be about life church. It's got to be about God's word. We have to commit ourselves to serving together and developing that and raising up a generation that sees that, of breaking bread together and of praying. Why? Because the only thing that's going to change your world and my world is to be in prayer. The only thing that's going to change your world and my world is to pray before the Lord. The only thing that's going to change the situation that's happening, whether it's in D.C. or Wall Street or Hollywood, is not you and I protesting and standing. It's prayer. Amen. 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 
All right. I'm way over time. I'm going to pray for you because I, I have four, four or five more points. I, I, I think you get the point today. Whew, man, it's Labor Day. And I'm laboring before you. <laughs> Father, I just thank you for your people. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know that I am, I am standing before men and women who love you with all their heart, their mind, their soul, and their strength. I know there's not a mom or a dad in this place that does not want to but see their children grow up in the fear and the admonition of you. Lord, I, I know that every person in this room, we deal with our own sin or our own junk. Oh God, forgive us. Heal our souls. Forgive us of our sins. Heal our land. But God, I pray. I pray. You called Tammy and I to this place 20 years ago. And we have not been perfect, but we've endeavored to be faithful. And there are men and women in this room that were there from that very first day all the way to now. There are people that are in this room today. This is their very first weekend to be at Life Church. And I just pray that for the next 20 years, you'll help us not to shrink, not to cower, not to pull back, because you never call us to that. The armor of God, Lord, that you told us to put on daily, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the girl loins about with the spirit of truth, to shot our feet with the preparation of readiness by the gospel of peace, to take on the helmet of salvation and the, the shield of faith and the sword of God, which is the word of God, and to go into battle. There is no rear guard because we were never created to retreat or surrender. We were created not just to be conquerors. That's who you are, Jesus. You are the conqueror. But we are created to be more than conquerors because you go before us. And your word says it's your spirit that goes behind us, that protects us. Your word says more times than any other phrase in scripture, fear not. Because we were never to fear anyone but you, God. We're not to fear the world that we live in. We're not to fear the school. We're not to fear sending our kids off to school. We're not, we're not to fear uh, the, the society or the world in which we live in because greater is you that's in us than he that's in those things. God, we have been called to live victoriously, knowing that even in death, there is triumph because we will all face death, but we know where we go. We know what we serve. We know, Lord, that to be absent in this body is to be in the very presence of you, Jesus. And to be just like those disciples, to be able to touch those nail-scarred hands, to be able to look into your eyes and to hear you say our name and call our name and welcome us home. There is no downside. So Father, I pray today, help us be devoted, not to things that we like or things that we love, but be devoted to you, Lord. And out of our love for you comes our love for our spouse. Out of our love for you comes our love for our children and our family and our friends. Out of our love for you comes the love for the church because that's what you love. That's what you gave yourself for. So help us today. God, if we're short on, on, on being in a, a life group, in a community group, and we need to lean in, let us step up and 
practice that discipline. If, if we're short on, on just committing ourselves to coming together in the fellowship that we have in a weekend service, let us do that. If we're lax in bringing the kids and getting them involved, help us to be able to step up and do that. If we're just pulling back in our time of prayer, oh God, help us to commit today to a personal devotional life that's transformative. I pray in the name of Jesus, help us, Lord. Help us, God, to be devoted to you in this day and this age. I pray, Lord, until you come again and until you take us home, help us to stand firm on your word. Never, not a jot or a tittle, not removing anything from your word, but leaning on it, building our life upon it, building our families upon it, our marriage upon it. And God, when we fall short coming before you and obtaining grace when we need it, Lord, and calling upon you in those moments and allowing you to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I pray, oh God, if it becomes unfashionable and uncool, help us to follow you. Help us to be the most unfashionable and uncool church in all of Milwaukee. But let us stand with you, Jesus. Let us stand on your word. Let us be devoted to you. And as we go into this fall season, I pray a hedge of protection around our children as they go back to school. I pray God a blessing upon our schools, our parochial private schools, our public schools. Lord, children that are homeschooled, I just pray God your blessings be upon our kids, upon our kids' ministries and our youth ministries, upon the campuses, upon the churches. And I pray, Lord, give pastors in this area backbone. Give pastors in this area, Lord, just a, a, a backbone from your word, God, to stand and to declare your word. And help us to be men and women called by you, full of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.